episode five. <laughs> Playing from memory. Okay, do I have to? <laughs> Shit, you fucking ruined it. Fuck. Fuck you. Why do you have to be giggling? <laughs> Welcome to so many wrong notes. <laughs> the podcast where two Asians squabble about music. Episode five. Playing from memory. Are do I have to? Huh? Yeah, that was... Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I wanted to say this is the special whinge edition. Well, why don't you go with that? I like the word whinge. Whinge? It's yeah, whinge. it's so much better than the word whine. Cause yeah, it, I, I agree. I don't know why. Uh, just, uh, I guess the because G. Because whinge. Yeah, the whinge. Inge. It sounds, <laughs> inge. It sounds like inge. a Britishism. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like arse is better than ass. Maybe. Maybe that's just me. Okay. So, did you know, Franny? Yeah. Well, you don't. What did I know? You don't. You don't. don't. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, did you know? Pause. <laughs> that before Clara Schumann and Franz Liszt started performing without music, uh, it was actually considered inappropriate for pianists to memorize what they played in public. Did you know that? I actually did know this. Oh, I didn't know that. You know. <laughs> Should I have pretended? Wait, we can do it again. No, I'll no, 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 I didn't no, know it. no. Audience reaction. Um, yeah, it was it was considered hubris. It was considered a height of arrogance because, uh, you know, when you perform without music, according to the traditions of that time, which is what nineteenth century, mid nineteenth century. I guess early nineteenth century. Yeah. Yeah. Early mid nineteenth century. It implied and before and before. Yeah. It it well particularly it came from before. It, it implied that uh, the student. Or the performer was improvising the music because mm-hmm. they didn't have any scores in front of them, and actually, like uh, Liszt would make it a point to have his scores of his compositions on the music stand when he was playing uh, mm-hmm. to show people this wasn't actually composed work, not an improvisation. I didn't know that about Liszt. I didn't know that he ah. actually put his own compositions on that. Well, on, on the on the stand. Finally, I got something. Because you know everything. All right. Well, I mean, list. we're going to just kind of go off of list because he was patient zero, as I like to call it. <laughs> I mean, it all started from him. He decided he was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a debate, right? Like people say Clara Schumann started the whole memory, memorizing mm-hmm. the whole recital. But uh, actually, and I'm going to go with Norman Lebrecht on this uh, because he did the research and he cited list as the first pianist. To perform an entire piano program from memory, so. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and actually, the term recital originated from uh, him reciting. That was air quotes. You can't see that. Reciting no. the music from his head. I didn't know that actually. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Okay, that's where we get recital from. Yeah. So yeah, I call him patient zero because we still do this. Um, we memorize everything. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about solo recitals, uh, concertos, th- those kind of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And wh- why? Why do we do this? I think, really, I would like to know why List did it. And I don't really know why List did it. Do you happen to know why List did it? You know, I can only, I can only hypothesize. Um, based on what we know of List, is that he was prodigious. And uh, one of the most fantastic pianists out there. So I'm only guessing that it was a manner of showing off. That yeah. the music was coming from his... He, he actually wanted people to think everything was coming from his head. That I, I think he actually wanted that sort of uh, godlike worship. I don't know. What, why do you think? I, those are not good answers. I, I feel like they actually are good answers. I think, I think List was a showman yeah and he really was conscious about how things looked yes and i think memorization i think is another it's almost like an extension of virtuosity yeah this was so focused on you know extending the piano technique into something that hadn't been done before right to wow everyone, the spectacle. To wow everyone, yeah. 
And I think the cherry on top is that you just do it from memory as well. Well, you know, uh, another thing that I just thought of is um, Liszt was inspired by Paganini in many ways. And Paganini mm-hmm. was actually um, known for memorizing everything. Um, he's also cited oh. among the three, na- the two other names as being the first to start this whole tradition that has tortured us for, for our whole <laughs> lives. Um, but yeah, and so I'm I'm guessing that Liszt saw Paganini do it, and then he was like a convert. He was like, oh, that's an amazing performance. I need to do this. Uh, <sighs> okay, anyways. Well, but, maybe for people who don't quite know what the expectations are for us based on, you know, Liszt and Clara and Paganini, what are the requirements for us in terms of performing from memory? Well, are you speaking to me as a former pianist or as a harpsichordist? Both, since I, I actually don't know the traditions of harpsichord performance uh, practice nowadays. Well, as a former pianist, let's talk about that first. Okay. I think because more people are probably dealing with it. Uh, you're pretty much obligated to memorize every solo piece mm-hmm. and every concerto. Yes. So that means all recitals are played from memory. Um, except, of course, they make exceptions. Such as? And those those exceptions tend to be contemporary music or 20th century music. Yeah. Music that has been deemed difficult, too difficult to memorize. Which is hilarious. I mean, did you read that Tomasini article from like 2013? Yes. Yes. And and he was just like, I don't get why people think it's okay not to memorize. You, you should tell us more about who Tomasini is before we talk about this. Oh, oh yes. I should properly introduce it. So um, Anthony Tomasini, and uh, he actually wrote this in 2012. My bad. Um, uh-huh. And uh, the, the article is called Playing by Heart, With or Without a Score. And I remember when it came out, it was passed around Facebook like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like a big deal because uh, this is something we have griped about forever. Just like, Mm -hmm. why do we have to memorize? Why is every audition required to memorize? Why is every jury? Why is every recital? It's so much energy and effort. And we live in fear constantly of trauma of memory slips. It's, It's horrific, actually. Because I've had some really purple moments. Oh, anyways. <laughs> purple moments. That, really? Those are the words Logan used. Actually, like he was like, "There's some nice things, but there's some real purple ones." <laughs> was, I thought purple was a good thing. Uh, I I think he was thinking like Purple Heart, like uh, lots of blood and carnage up there. Oh, okay. I thought like so, if something was purple, like that was like regal or something. Oh no, he meant it in, in a bad way. So, I think Logan Skelton is not using purple correctly. You can go tell him that. that. You can tell him I, that. Actually, you know what? He's probably listening right now. Is he? He's probably hanging his head in shame. I don't think he ever hangs his head. <laughs> he's probably laughing <laughs> at you, not with you. Pro- uh, <laughs> I, I, a lot of people laugh at me. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Anyway. Well, this article... Um, was we loved it that's why it was passed around because it basically Mm -hmm. talks about why do we still have this tradition and we should get rid of it it doesn't make sense um but i I was just referring to one of his closing paragraphs where he's sort of uh maybe i should read it um it has always amused me that contemporary music is exempted from the memorization requirement I think some pianists might find the Ligeti Etudes, which are so technically challenging that by the time you learn them, you usually know them cold, a lot easier to play from memory than Bach's Goldberg variations. Um, this is something I I kind of agree with, but um, I don't know. What do you think? You actually played the Goldbergs. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, but I did not play them from memory. Right. right. That's the difference between harpsichordists and pianists, right? We don't have the memory requirement oh i thought you still did no huh um some harpsichordists do memorize but most do not memorize most play from score oh okay and so the idea of playing the goldberg from memory is not a happy one for me but i would i would definitely agree like there's certain repertoire like back when i played piano Mm -hmm. not necessarily ligety but oddly enough list yeah List was just easy enough 
and more convenient if you memorized it. Yeah, I, I will say that that is one of the few instances in which the technical requirements require you to not look at the music. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That and also just turning page like there's so many notes and let's say in a list piece, right? Yeah. That you're turning page constantly, so it's just more convenient to memorize. Um, but I feel like when we're talking about memory, I feel like we need to really pinpoint what exactly are we talking about. Right. Because there are different types of memory. Yeah. And I think the reason why most pianists hate memorizing Mm -hmm. is that they memorize physically. Well, yeah, it's the weakest. Yeah, so they use muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the ideal, like, platonic idea of memory is actually remembering what's written on the page yeah outside of something physical happening yeah yeah well uh analysis but also um what's the word mental the sort of you can structure it out in your head away from the piano exactly yeah and actually I think I was watching this interview with John Browning. Mm-hmm. John Browning, the pianist, was a great pianist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he talked about how he almost he memorized the score like it was a like a photograph. Um, so my my question related to this is is why do you think we still do this? Why do you think this tradition held up so long? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, the, 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 really, the answer is I don't know. Huh. I feel like there's so much, in classical music especially, there's so much, my teacher did this, my teacher's teacher did this, yeah. my teacher's teacher's teachers did this, to, to the point where we project our own ideas about something far back in in time when that didn't exist. So you think that it held so long because everyone just kind of accepted it as the right thing to do? That's right. Mm. And I feel like no one really bothered to challenge it. Yeah. No, I think that's why the article from 2012 took such hold. Because yeah. somebody in a very prominent mag- uh, venue was, was actually challenging it. Um, I, I think that this tradition held and sort of was validated with a lot of kind of maybe not so valid reasons, but, um, uh-huh. cause, cause I think that the argument can be made that one is more expressive when they're not playing with the score that yeah. they can really be in the moment. They can really feel like they are embracing the music and being carried with the music instead of always following something. Um, the other, I think, point people bring up is that you know the music better when you memorize it. Mm. And uh, I, I think we should just kind of pick apart these two reasons because there's a lot I think we both can say about them. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you agree with um, that it makes you more expressive, for example? I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, here... Maybe for some people, or maybe even for some pieces for me, it could make me more expressive. Yeah. But in general, I always remember when I memorized frequently. Yeah. That I I was really more concerned about what came next. Yeah. I don't think I was ever in the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to because, say that's very true of me, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just always worried that I'll fuck something up. Oh, yeah. It's just like, oh, so, what comes next? What's gonna? And then once you start worrying yeah. about it, it's gonna fuck up. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and then you're, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no. I mean, I w- I will say that I have seen it actually be true for a couple people, um, only because they're just so technically um, perfectionistic that without the score, they can actually let go of that a little bit. Uh-huh. When I guess there's something about visualizing the notes that made them more rigid, mm. but. I think in my own experience, I have never played differently with or without the music. 
um, in, in terms of like feeling it or in terms mm-hmm. of being expressive or losing myself. Um, because sometimes music is there as a, um, it's like shapes, you know, it kind of guides you, but you don't have to be looking at it all. Because that's the other thing is that when you practice to memorize, you are practicing in a drilling kind of manner. You're, you're trying to really get yeah. things down. And, and, and in order to get your memory solid, it takes it past what I think we should be concentrating on our practicing and, and focusing on a route. Um, and I feel like it's just constant repetition and, and constant drilling of something that is not that important to me. So uh, mm. I think that can make people actually lose their expressivity. That's, that's my opinion. Um, if you pra- that, that kind of rote practicing, I think it's good in, in, in terms of like helping you to solve problems. Does, but when you're trying to, when you're just kind of using it to memorize, it just feels, I don't know. Well, here. Mechanical? Yes. That's, yeah, exactly. Um, I'll give you a sort of, you know, I always never knew what, like there are these solid competitors. They're, they're mostly Koreans, and I'm sorry to bring in race, but they were mostly young Korean girls who were just so solid. They never messed up. And I was just like, why? What is the training? Like, what is the practice like? And then uh-huh. I became really close friends to um, this Korean girl in my doctorate, and you know her too. Um, and she actually told me I was having trouble memorizing proxy. Um, and she, she was like, Oh, okay. So here's what you do when you need to do things like that really quickly is you play it half tempo <laughs> at 75% of your power and you just play it through. Don't stop when you screw up, but then go back and play it through. And then you go back and play it through until you get the things, but you don't actually stop. You always have to have that momentum. And then you do mm. that at least 10 times, the whole piece, at least 10 times. And then you go to 75% of the temple you're supposed to take. Like, it's just like that process yeah. was spelled out to me. And it's like hours and hours of just mindless repetition. I mean, it's not mindless. Ideally, you're thinking about your mistakes, mm-hmm. but it's crazy. Like, I understand now why they're so solid. But I also I'm like, well, good Lord, I want to do other things with my practice. Like, I want to, I want to think about sound. You know, I want to figure out this and how to get the really great color I want instead of playing the same thing yeah. 200 times um well i mean it's not even playing the same thing 200 times but playing the same thing with like 75 percent of your sound so you're not really <laughs> playing with sound you know what yeah I mean? you're you're really literally getting that physical memory perfect yeah. but yeah it's just it feels like an added layer of stress it always felt like an added layer of stress to me do i have this memorized yeah. And what if it's not as solid? Yeah, I would like to say this is the only thing that this is the biggest source of stress for me. I have never worried about anything else as much as having a memory slip. And because it's always been sort of the thing, it's the thing that's most obvious to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you screw up, it's just like the world kind of ends. Because it's not like just like, oh, you missed a few notes here and there. You fucked up. And then, yeah. you know, people are, don't take you seriously anymore. Because you can't even fucking memorize your recital. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, there's <laughs> something particularly humiliating about having a memory slip. No, you're right. It, it, just because at that moment you feel so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just so odd how vulnerable you feel when that happens yeah and there's just this moment of like and you can't disguise it you can't like disguise learned, it yeah yeah but i mean you can't even disguise the moment of holy shit where am i yeah right <laughs> well i mean to be to to uh kind of go with that i resign myself to the fact that i always i will always have some sort of memory slip and so I got uh, really good at getting out of them. Yeah. <laughs> that was my only thing I could control. But it often felt like memory slips I couldn't control. Like no matter how much I practice, something, my mind will have like a brownout. Um, yeah. And, and it just like, because in the moment, you never know. And uh, Exactly. Anyways. 
It seems so serious. That's the thing. I think and teachers it, do that too. They make it so serious. Yeah, and I think the fact that it became so standardized and just according to our opinions, it's just because lists like to show off. Well, <laughs> it's oh. the only reason why this tradition took took root. Well, I mean, that's right that's what we think. But I yeah. mean, maybe we should I bring mean, Clara into this equation. Like, why do you think Clara thought it was essential to memorize an entire recital? I don't think I it don't was know. for the same reasons. Um, I mean, she was the most famous female pianist at the time in a time where female pianists were not really a thing. Yeah. Um, and for her to up the game like that, I mean, she didn't seem to me like a very uh, show-offy kind of person. Uh, she seemed uh, actually like to have a lot of integrity. Um, but I think she actually did because she thought that it would embody the music better. Like that she was really getting to the soul and representing it. Um, I, that's my, my only my hypothesis. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, and unfortunately, I don't really know that much about Clara to really offer my hypothesis. I think another hypothesis for just memorizing music in general mm-hmm. is the whole actor analogy. Right. right, yeah, yeah. The actor delivers lines that are memorized, right? Mm-hmm. But, and in a way, yeah, music also, that makes sense in terms of music. Yeah. Especially you know, for singers or stage performances. But if it's for a keyboard or an instrumental performance, I think what trumps everything else is the sound. Yeah, and I think what trumps everything else is the uh, confidence that you have. Yeah, and, and so yeah. so that's where I think, I think that analogy breaks down. Regardless of whatever the intentions of Clara were or whatever the intentions of Franz Liszt were, um, I think what has happened was people started putting other people in boxes that they didn't, that don't necessarily fit them. You in boxes, God. Okay. So. <laughs> well, okay. So what do you mean by that? So I mean like certain people, maybe Clara and Franz, both felt really freed from yeah. being away from the music. Mm-hmm. But. Others, like me and you, we don't don't feel that way, and we shouldn't be held to that standard. Yeah, and it worked for them, but it doesn't work for you, and and me. And I know certain pianists who have who just are really confident about memory, and they say, "Oh yeah, I have no problem about memory," and yeah, they perform pretty much memory slip free. Yeah, there are several others. Yeah, exactly. There are always. There are people who think, who feel that it makes them play better and that they're they're just more free, more expressive. And, and yeah, that's for them. And, and, and yeah, it's a totally a valid point. Um, we should be held only to the standard of what makes us play at our best and the most confidently. Um, and, I mean, what you said about the actor, when I think about that, yes, it makes sense. Um, you're delivering a narrative. You're delivering as somebody else's story and uh to look down at a sheet of paper can take you out of it but i don't think that is really true for um for a pianist or for for music performance i mean it's just a little different well i mean we could go through this list and kind of break down every perceived practical benefit of memorizing and say that is actually not true but um what i think is is more important is uh what we're dealing with right now is sort of a crumbling of this tradition. But is it really a crumbling? I mean, it's just people questioning it a lot more um, and the validity of it being a lot less strong. So, um, like, for example, um, in concerts, we start to see big-name pianists using music, right? Um, yeah. And... Uh, Let's say, like, for example, Gil Kalish, um, who, who has always played with scores, and he's one of the biggest pioneering pianists out there. Um, and he's actually 
choosing to revamp the degree requirements at Stony Brook University um, for, for exactly the same, for exactly the reasons we were saying is that um, pianists should be judged on the best, most confident performance that they can give and mm -hmm. that they should determine whether or not they should memorize, which I think is, is what every school should do. Like my, my opinion is that technology will actually help us a lot in this aspect because you mentioned the practical nature of turning pages for list, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I think that that's a big detriment um, when you have a physical score and you have to have a page turner with you and you walk out to a solo recital with somebody else right behind you. It's, it's clunky. It looks bad, right? Uh, well, yeah. I'm, that sort of brings up a, a whole other issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> Of okay, we don't have to talk about it if it brings up. But of how things look versus how things sound. D yeah, is that it is really it. really that detrimental to I... have a page turner there? Well, I, I don't, don't know. I really think so. I if don't you know. Want it, if you want why why is having a page turner on stage bad? Um, I'm just guessing it just like brings another body onto stage when it's only one person playing. But maybe it's not. I mean... I haven't thought about that. <laughs> See, I think I think part of, I think the whole issue is that it comes down to this Listian romantic ideal of mm -hmm. what a piano recital must be. Right. Yeah. Which is this really it's a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so therefore you automatically assume that having a score might take the audience away from the music which isn't necessarily true or that having a page turner on stage will take the will detract attention from the, the halo performer. performer yeah yeah mm -hmm. which is also probably not true yeah i mean it's because, never been like researched yeah. nobody's done like a poll on whether or not it takes them out of the exactly. performance yeah that's a good and point really it's the performance it's the sound isn't it yeah but Look, then i'm not why go to a uh, why go to a performance like why see somebody well i perform? mean look the performance is obviously there's sight involved okay mm -hmm. but i think <clears throat> going to a live performance is you go to a live performance to because of the unpredictability of it yeah oh well uh, the esoteric nature yeah yeah that it's this one time thing and anything might happen you're getting really throaty with your with your emotion now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. Um, and, and a lot of what is expected on, on the stage is very, uh, it's just based on what we expect from tradition. So if yeah. we actually sat down with every audience member, actually sat down and thought about why they dislike something, there's probably no basis in their own opinion or their own feeling it's more based on oh well it's always been this way it's yeah. always looked that way the soloist has always looked like they were manifesting music out of their head into the keys um <laughs> well okay well this is just uh, to go with <clears throat> the patroning thing in case just in case anyone actually uh cites as a difficulty for using music um, I'm just going to dispel that with the iPad technology, which I've been using successfully, and you have as well. Yeah. It doesn't require a page turner. It's very easy to pick up and very easy to learn. Um, and I think it just renders that whole thing moot. It does. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are disadvantages to the iPad thing, too. Yeah, mine is too small. Mine is like nine the inches. I have the mini yeah it's yeah, horrible is bad. <clears throat> i'm losing my sight i'm trying to blame all my missed notes on that the fact i can't see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're very small also it's just sometimes it's just hard to read from a glowing screen yeah that too me. there is a glare you have to really yeah. uh, adjust the angle well look the ipad technology is great and it's great especially if you have like a lot of music like it's great for me like if i want to let's say, sight read through the entire book one of Cooperan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which you've probably done. That. Actually, I haven't done that. 
but I should do that. Well, I mean, you know I'll... what I really sh- should oh. do if I'm a, if I'm a dork, which I am, uh-huh. is to sight read through all of the Scarlatti sonatas. Oh, they're not that sight readable, actually. I remember they're not. Some of them are not. No, they're actually quite difficult. Some of them are pretty easy, and some of them are pretty difficult. Or Martha Argerich makes them sound difficult. But to to bolster your point, actually, um, I'll just give you an example. Because I I play a lot of music as a chamber musician. I have right now currently carrying 344 scores in my tiny little iPad. So, (laughs) and it's awesome. Like I can, I can fly and travel and I don't have to carry binders. And I spent so much time putting holes in paper. Putting I them know. Into, taping them together, like it's just. Um, well, here's the thing about the. There's something about harpsichord culture that I didn't get a chance to talk about. Oh, sorry. Which was we don't memorize anything, but w- for a long time before the iPad, people laid out their scores. Oh, these long well, reams. Well, that you taped? not not even not even those long reams, but they would like cut and paste and bind in a way. Where the page turner page turning was convenient so right. that one person can do it, and that was one part of harpsichord culture that I mean I don't dislike it. I should say you don't. I miss. respect people. I respect people who can do that very well. Yeah, I could never do that very well. Yeah, I could so see myself iPad, failing. Yeah. <laughs> So the iPad, I would always have these like really long, awkward sheets of paper. <laughs> like, and I know fly people, over. Yeah. And I know people who can just somehow make it into nice, regular sheets that they put in a binder. You yeah. Know? You know, actually, my teacher, Logan Skelton, which we've talked about already, um, he has a brilliant solution to this because he doesn't memorize for his performances. And he performs a lot He um, of pieces that he's played a lot, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but for him, it's he... Just for reassurance, he likes the shape of notes. He likes to, mm-hmm. to graphically know where he is. So he takes all the sheets of like this, uh, let's say, for example, the first movement of a concerto, just on a yeah. black cardboard sheet. He he shrinks them down into tiny little, tiny little boxes and then he puts yes. them yes, on like a grid on one sheet that is a cardboard so it doesn't fly away. I mean, it's brilliant. But I, also, I've done that before. Yeah, but... Yeah. Wait, how small? Because my first question was like, how can you see the notes? And he's like, I don't need ah. to see them. I just I just want the shapes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, so I guess we're, we're both in agreement about this. Um, and I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if you think it will it will ever change. Because in my mind, and maybe I'm just more optimistic than you, I do hear a lot of challenging of this tradition, and I do hear people um, just performing with music. Like, you know, I perform solo repertoire at with music now because I like literally do not have any time to spend on memorizing. I mean, maybe we should talk about this. How much time does it take to memorize something? Um. Yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah. But... Uh, but as I was talking uh, sort of about this earlier is I feel like we're required to memorize, but we're not really taught how to memorize, how to memorize. Yeah, I definitely. We should talk about that. Sorry. Yeah, that we are um, that we rely on muscle memory mm-hmm. and therefore the muscle memory takes a long time. Yeah. And it's also the first to go, right? It's also the first to go, but it also takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And my whole point is that if we have to memorize, teach us how to do it properly. Because I feel like the whole John Browning way of memorizing, you don't have to be as extreme as John Browning, but sort of understanding the structure. Well, how does John Browning understand? Do it? Well, I mean, like, remember what he, he says he could visualize every single note and every single dynamic mark. And so he's basically memorizing the page. And this was something he, he like trained to do. And he trained to do and he did it away from the piano. Did he try to notate it as well? Like sort of He said I I don't remember, but I do remember what he said was that he could he could sit in a corner and just imagine the piece. So he could hear the sound. He could hear he knew what finger was gonna play what specific note and he could see that note. Mm-hmm. And he could see the dynamic marking. Hmm. Right. So he did and a full, complete, 
complete memorization of everything. Yeah. So he could do that away from the keyboard. So my question is, how long did it take him to attain that? Well, I don't know because he really never talked about it. But I feel like we don't have to be as extreme. But to be able to kind of hear the yeah. piece away from the keyboard, I think is probably the easiest way to memorize. It's also crucial. I mean, it's, it's so beneficial. Yeah. Um, but I will and tell you. And it doesn't take that long, frankly. Well, I don't think it takes that long. I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, I, I know that is the for sure way to find out if you really know something or not. Yeah. And um, it shows you how much time you're wasting by doing that route practicing thing. But um, I after like the day before every competition I used to do when I was young, I would mm-hmm. I would try to play through the piece in my head, like as I was lying in bed. And yeah. invariably, I would fall asleep by the second line. <laughs> it became <laughs> like a for sure way for me to go to sleep. And <laughs> like or maybe it was just I couldn't get past the second line. So I just yeah. fell asleep. But yeah, I, I I never really did that. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is I never really did that until I didn't have <clears throat> to memorize anymore. And really, <laughs> I started memorizing better when I didn't have to memorize anymore. That's true. The pressure was off. Yeah, the pressure is off. But it was also I found a different way of memorizing. Yeah. And that way... I think harpsichord playing and the way we're taught to think about harpsichord playing really helped me, yeah. which is to really understand the underlying structure of the piece. Yeah, I mean... Um, so, so I'm understanding the grammar, and yeah. then I'm understanding what's decoration. So if I... If you fuck up, gr- you won't have that much to fuck up. But it's not even the fucking up. It's Sorry. the fact that I have this solid understanding of this of the underlying structure well no i mean that's what i mean it's not fucking up anymore I, it's, w- well yeah, yeah but i'm just saying that if i do fuck up then i have that understanding but the fact that i have the understanding of that p of yeah. that structure causes me not to fuck up yeah and i remember you said this to me i was playing through some chopin for you some previous yeah. And, you know, I always found it harder to play the slow ones because I didn't practice them. <laughs> so I couldn't memorize them as much. <clears throat> like the fast ones were just like, oh, yeah. But um, yeah. muscle he, memory. Well, exactly. Fast ones. Yeah. And I also hate memorizing, but um, I shouldn't. But you said, well, I think like you really should know the chords. <laughs> like you really should figure out the chord as a chorale, like as a as a progression. Like, play the yeah. progression of your left hand, mainly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I've been hearing that when I was young, and I just never implemented it. Yeah. And the thing about it is, if you do that, you realize how, oh, how easy it is, <laughs> in a way. Because, yeah. okay, it always starts on something, and it always ends with a cadence. And the cadence is always some sort of standard stock pattern, right? If we're yeah. talking tonal music. Yeah. So that means that if you have like a four bar phrase, right, the beginning is easy to memorize because we always memorize beginnings very well. Right? Yeah. And then the end is a stock credential pattern. You really don't have that much to memorize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. I mean, the and thing... so if you map it out that way, it becomes easy. Yeah. And I think that really works for some music. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this has you're... to be kind of tonal. Yeah, and actually, I I guess we should call this down and dirty tips because um, we've realized a lot of things, you you especially, about um, how to be more smart. I mean, the thing is, and I'll say this, when I was growing up, I had good teachers and they told me things um, to help with memory. But I was kind of a stubborn asshole. Like, I just kind of had my way of doing things and it wasn't quite working that well, but I just did it. You know, like, it's just like that... You have to be ready to hear this sort of That's advice. true. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you're ready, life becomes easy. It's, it's true. Eh. Yeah. But just because I've realized this doesn't mean that I want to play from memory. Yeah. I don't. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I, um, I just don't like practicing for memory like i know you're supposed to kind of memorize from the beginning of learning your notes but i 
really enjoy so many other things about practicing than trying to memorize something and to see if I've memorized it and and, and going over that. Like, I, I, I hate that, actually. So mate, that's probably why I didn't implement these smarter ways of doing things. <laughs> Anyways. No, yeah, I get it. But I, I feel like the reason I like the smarter way of memorizing is that I'm never practicing the memorizing. Yeah, no, it's I'm true. I'm practicing yeah. the music. Yeah. And through practicing the music, I happen to be memorizing it. Maybe, because I'm learning more about it. Maybe I just have PTSD. I'm... I I think it's a PTSD <laughs> thing because because I I think I was exactly like you yeah. when I still played piano. Uh-huh. Of of hating to memorize and practicing memorizing the way you practiced it yeah. by rote. And then suddenly I don't have to memorize. The and I'm thing... just th- thinking yeah. about the piece that I'm playing and I'm shocked at the fact that I memorized it. Yeah. Not physically, but also I understand the structure of it. I know where it's going. Well, so I'm not just relying on physical memory anymore, yeah. on muscle memory anymore. No, I mean, I don't really, I just don't memorize. Um, but when I have to, it is mostly rote. It is mostly physical. But the, the thing I will look at is, is sort of, because a lot of the stuff I play is very chromatic and, and, and um, yeah. not tonal. And so I will look at interval structure. I will look at patterns mm. and intervals. Um and that's how I break it down instead of... But it's the same principle, right? You're structuring your piece exactly. in some way. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a way of understanding the piece. Yeah. Right? And forming your own ideas about it. Which and you so should be doing. Yeah. Which you should be doing. And doing that helps you memorize rather than saying, I'm going to memorize. Yeah. That's what I've learned. Yeah. But like I said before, <laughs> that doesn't mean that I would play a solo recital memorized. Right. I don't want to do that. Because you don't see the benefits of it to outweigh, right? Because, like, yeah, because there's always that, for me, a lingering sense of doubt. That yes. reptilian part of my brain yeah. that says, oh, do you really know this? And, of course, that reptilian part of your brain takes over when you're on stage and when you feel really vulnerable. Yeah. So I'd much rather have the music up there. And feel and good. And know <laughs> and feel good. And not let that reptilian part of my brain be active. Right, because it's just taking something out of the equation. Like exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, for for me, it's a matter of of time. Um, you really like I can't carry around repertoire for for years like a lot of concert mm-hmm. pianists do, because um, we play so much and uh, it's like sixty, seventy concerts a year of different rap. Yeah. So it's just not possible. But maybe in the future, it would be. I, I don't know. And I mean, it's good to think about whether or not there would be a future that demands it or also like, what are my hangups about it? Because I think a lot of piano students actually have this problem. There's a lot of PTSD going on. I think so, too. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and I think the fact that we are forcing people into boxes in which they feel uncomfortable yeah. is what's creating the PTSD. Well, you brought up a good point was the whole pressure taking away pressure made you actually better at it exactly and so i think that's our biggest argument like we should go around the schools and be like hey you will have better piano students if you did this yeah i mean i agree with you i just feel like there's a certain sect of teacher or philosophy of teaching where they think applying the pressure is a good thing and maybe Mm. for certain students that works very well yeah. But for others, it doesn't. So, I mean, we, we keep going around in circles. It's yeah. just like, <clears throat> I think we need to develop a way of, of determining for sure what <laughs> works for you. Yes. Right, what works for a certain student. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the key to that is just not making it a requirement. I think I would, I would go sort of halfway okay i would say let's make it a requirement for you to memorize something let's see how you do yeah but it's right? not the be all end all it's not like gonna fail them. it's not the be all end all no it's like let's have you memorize because i think i think it's a valuable exercise that's frankly. true yeah because you do for some people it forces yeah. you to know the music better exactly but and you have so to teach them how that, to memorize right 
Yeah. So you have to <laughs> have a certain set curriculum of how to memorize, right? Yeah. If we're talking academy. And I think it's it's a good thing to ask people to memorize something. Yeah. Cuz <clears throat> within ask someone to memorize something and perform it. Yeah. And I think it's within that process where you can really determine yeah if memorizing helps you you know you've kind of inspired me because um i've gotten lazy about memorizing because i don't have to anymore but um i'd like to challenge myself and see if i can memorize and not be scarred by it <laughs> yeah yeah just like I, I think you're right it is good for all musicians to do this um it's just not good to expect them to do it for based on based on a tradition, based yeah. on something that may not be that worthwhile. Um, it's it's never good to set someone up for expectations that are not reevaluated every few years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, what have you been obsessed with this week? Well, I have you to thank for this obsession. <laughs> Jeanette, you always have me to think. It all comes down to you. I mean, come on. Yeah. Goddess. All right. Okay. There was a certain <laughs> author. Certain author. Who I dismissed as chiclet. Yeah. And as soon as I said that. It was a low uh, moment. <laughs> you, Jeanette, uh, proceeded to unhinge your jaw. <laughs> And <laughs> what is this? unhinged my jaw? Like yeah, like a snake devouring its prey. Well, yeah, yeah. And you bit half of my head off, and somehow I now shit from the top of my head. <laughs> no, I you did not. Ripped... You know, you you mixed up your your metaphors because you know rip a new asshole is not bite half your head off. You can't rip a new asshole by biting off your head. You just well, rip a new asshole. Like, the way you ripped my ass, not me a new asshole. I repositioned your you... bodily functions so that your bowels would go straight up. Like, sure, I don't know. I don't Anyways, know. let's just say anyway, this author, <laughs> who I initially dismissed, mm-hmm. is Jane Austen. And I'm very glad that you chastised me because, uh, even so, you first can't of all, eat half of... first of all, I yes. probably would not use the word chastise if I hadn't read Jane Austen. <laughs> Second of all, mm-hmm. Jane Austen is amazing. Yeah, talk about labels being like completely useless. Yeah, right, and kind She's of a labels kind of hindering you from experiencing new things and Mm -hmm. so i am sort of this is my this is my thank you letter to you jeanette oh my god for for forcing me for forcing me to read jane austen because reading jane austen has made my life better look i'm blushing made me a better man i'm blushing yeah. It's actually really and hot right now, actually. <laughs> like, I'm trying to cool down my cheeks. <laughs> and so, on behalf of Jane Austen lovers everywhere, thank you, Dr. Jeanette Fang, oh! for making me read Jane Austen. Well, I mean, I only trust making me realize that real men... Read Jane Austen. Read Jane Austen. It's so true. No, I mean, honestly, I only chastised you because I knew you would like her. Because you would get it. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I was just like, how could you not read this? This is so you, actually. What do you mean it's so me? Well, I mean, like, because she's very subtle, but she's so yes. sharp and so observant and so perceptive and so so funny. But the thing is, not everybody gets it, which is why she gets that label. That's right. Because yeah. superficially, it's just about Manners. a chick trying to find a husband. Yeah. But it's or like, manners. It's just so much more cutting, and, and it is. I knew you would see that. <laughs> so. No, she's great. Yeah. Speaking of which, what are you obsessed with this week? Okay, so uh, this is really nerdy, but this is my okay. ner- This is my nerdy because uh, you know, I grew up liking X Men and everything. Um, of course. Um, but 
so I, I mentioned Jessica Jones um, last yeah. episode, and um, I've been watching Luke Cage, which is the oh. other Netflix series that you know they're they're doing uh, several individual series you've got jessica jones the first thing to come out was daredevil then you had jessica jones and then you have luke cage and then you have iron fist coming out later on they're all going to band together into this big defenders netflix show which is i think it was a really good long-range plan that they put out because these are superheroes that are not superheroes they're like more your street thuggy superheroes Uh um and and the shows are just so well done so i mean it, it really it's got me kind of obsessed <laughs> because I've been, you know, Luke Cage, the, the people who did the music was Tribe Called Quest. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really well done. It's well acted, but it's also like it deals with real issues, just like Jessica uh-huh. Jones dealt with what it's like to be a, a woman and what it's like to deal with a man trying to control your life. Uh, yeah. So it's an important show, right? Luke Cage deals with what it's like to be black, like that question. Um, and and what it's like to be black and, and be in Harlem. So um, it's a lot more than just superhero. It's kind of like a metaphor for things. But the thing I keep on thinking about is um, the way they're going to all work together. Like that's really oh, getting my yeah. little my little fan juices running. I'm just like, really, I can't wait. <laughs> so like what has always kind of bothered me, and I know this will pay off. I hope this will pay yeah. off, is that Jessica Jones is not trained. She's entirely uh-huh. an untrained fighter. And she is posited as stronger than Luke Cage. But the thing is, this, this is like uh, up and down. You don't know which one's stronger. But I'd like to think yeah. she's stronger because he, I should probably say, Luke Cage is bulletproof. That's his thing. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't actually get like bullets bounce off of him. And he just heals so quickly. He can't be killed. Uh, okay. Like a whole building can fall down on him. He won't die. He can. He's like a human tank. Um but he's also really strong. So I I like the fact that they were trying to make Jessica stronger, like showing that she was stronger. And the thing is, she's untrained. So like her fight scenes look jank. Like she looks like she doesn't <laughs> quite know what she's doing. But mm-hmm. the, the fact that she can like move a 25 ton truck easily is why she wins them, why she's powerful. I'd like to see Daredevil, who is highly trained in the ninja fighting style. Or martial arts, whatever. Um, he, I'd like to see him train her when they get together in the big defenders pool. And that's that's what I would love. Like this is, I really, I don't know if anyone's gonna hear this. <laughs> that actually matters. But can can we make that happen? Can we like actually train Jessica and so she can be like <laughs> super badass? Because right, she doesn't have the bulletproof thing, and I don't like the fact yeah. that she's a tier below in that aspect. I want her. To well, be- now that you put it out there, I think I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the Netflix people are watching and listening. Well, I mean, we are entertainers now. <laughs> Internetainers. Internetainers. We are I, I infotainment now. Sorry, I should credit um, Brett and Link for that one. But I think, uh, I think this just brings the episode to an end. It does. And this brings us to the close of So Many Wrong Notes. New episodes every Sunday. Available on our website, so many wrongnotes.com, or through iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And visit our Facebook and Instagram, So Many Wrong Notes, our, our very Asian Twitter handle, So Many Wrong Note. No S. So Many Wrong Note. No S. <laughs>